It's not a motivational mantra. It's not a I can achieve my goals verse. It's not a I can push through this positive thinking verse. What is it? Stay with me as we take a look at another this doesn't mean that verse in the Bible. Scripture is not discerned by opinion. You cannot rightly apply the Bible until you first rightly divide the Bible. We do not get to decide what the Bible means. We get to discover what the Bible means. Welcome to Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this episode. Make sure to watch through to the end as I have a special announcement at the end of this episode. In this episode, we're going to be taking a look at Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but we want to know what does God mean in his word in that verse? So one of the things that we have to do is consider the context. Always consider the context, the broad context down to the narrow context. The overall picture of the epistle, the time that it was written in, the circumstances that were going on, what was Paul dealing with, what was his situation and circumstance, and then also we narrow it down to the epistle itself and then to the chapter that it's in, then the paragraph and even the sentence that it's in. Here again is another example of verse numbers inviting us to fragment phrases, statements, and sentences out of their context and apply them uh, in a completely different way than is intended in the Word. So as we take a look at this episode, uh, I want to I touch on some things here that I think are extremely important whenever we're dealing with understanding, accurately understanding God's Word. First of all, emotions make very poor expositors. And yet, so often, our emotions are dictating the way that we understand God's Word. And it should be the other way around, where God's Word is the foundation and framework for our emotions. Emotions make very poor expositors. In other words, well, I just feel that's what it means. That's a bad way to interpret Scripture. Feelings should never overrule facts. Again, well, I know what the facts say, but I feel it means this. That's making God's word subject to my emotions or my current conditions or situation rather than God's word framing those things in my life. Good intentions are never justification for using verses out of context. In other words, but if it helps somebody, what does it hurt? Well, one of the things that happens when we do that is we're setting a precedent for just grabbing any verse and lifting it out anywhere for the end result of perhaps somebody maybe feeling better or being encouraged rather than accurately interpreting God's word and applying it to somebody's life. And fourthly, knowingly taking verses out of context is raising my intention above God's inspiration. Well, I know that's what God meant here. I know what it means here in its context, but I'm going to use it this way over here because it might help somebody or encourage somebody. That's not how we interpret Scripture. So this verse, Philippians 4.13 
And I have my, my Bible open here. I'm also going to be looking at it back and forth between the screen and, and my Bible. So Philippians 4.13, um, reading into that, uh, starting verse 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now as at last your care for me has flourished again. So what's taking place here is Paul's in prison. He's been in prison in Rome for about two years, so he's separated from these people. By the way, he had a very close attachment, it seems, a very deep abiding fellowship for this church. First church planted, um, Gentile region on his second missionary journey, uh, very dear to him. Even the tone of this epistle is much different than some of the others. Uh, it's much more on a personal level, endearing level. Uh, there's no real chastising in this letter. There's no correcting of false doctrine, that kind of thing. Uh, there just seems to be a real uh, communication of fellowship, of, of a close bond here. And so he's in prison He's, he's for about two years in Rome, and um, so surviving in prison was difficult in that day because not everything was provided by the prison system, so to speak. So often prisoners uh, were dependent upon people who would just be generous in giving, and, and Paul was in this kind of situation. So it could be kind of a feast or famine situation when you were uh, imprisoned, particularly in, in Rome. So He's in prison. The church finds out about this, and they uh, they send some goods, some 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 things to him. You know, perhaps some food, clothing, whatever, whatever. They are meeting his needs as best they can. So this is what he receives, and so he rejoices in the Lord greatly that now at last. So for a period of time, there was not care given him. At last, your care for me has flourished again. So it's happened in the past. Here it is again. But there's this interim period where it's not flourishing. Again, it's kind of feast or famine. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard. Now, it's important to understand all of this when we get to, to the verse, the, the, the key section that we want to focus on. Um, not that I speak in regard to need. So Paul wasn't writing in a sense of complaining. He was rejoicing in their provision, but he also in this passage, in this paragraph, uh, verses 10 through 13, he's also making very clear that he believes his subsistence, his, his needs are met by the Lord. Now, the Lord used the church, but it wasn't the church at Philippi. It was the Lord through the church at Philippi. That's an important thing. If you read slowly through this, this passage, you see that he's emphasizing that. Not that I speak in regard of need. In other words, he's saying, I'm not complaining about my situation. Not the best of situations. You're in prison in Rome for two years. Four. I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. That is a key phrase to understanding all of this epistle. Philippians, the, the theme or the, 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 uh, the moniker that we give to this is the epistle of joy. It's kind of the subtitle to it, the epistle of joy. Uh, joy is mentioned so many times, and yet it's one of the four prison epistles, and it's full of all kinds of uplifting things and encouraging things. And uh, between joy and rejoicing, I forget, uh, 11, 14, 20, I don't know, just a whole lot of times that uh, either joy, rejoicing, rejoiced, some form of that word, uh, 20 times, perhaps more, somewhere around there is mentioned this in this epistle. For I have learned in whatever state I'm in, feast or famine, to be content. 
I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things. Don't miss that phrase, all things. It comes up again. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, feast and famine, both to abound and to suffer need. He's learned both of those. Here it is. I can do all things. Oh, there's that phrase again. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Paul was in distress. He's thankful that they shared, but he wants them to understand he's not dependent upon them. He's dependent upon the Lord, and the Lord has never failed him, whether it's in feast or famine. Wow, that's a whole lot different perspective than how we so often see this verse used. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's, let's take a look at that, that phrase. In its context, not lift it out of the passage and use it as some pick-me-up statement when I'm trying to get another rep through in some exercise thing. I can do this. I can do all things. That's not what it is. That's really a narcissistic view of this verse. I don't know if that's going to land well with people or not, but that's inserting myself into this and making it all about me. Notice he says, I can't. It's not even an instruction. It's an observation. He's not even saying to them, to the Philippians, to the church at Philippi. He's not even saying, you can. Now, is, is there an extended truth to that? Yes. If the situations and circumstances are the same as what Paul's dealing with, trials, tribulation, feast, famine, that's what he's talking about. But by observation, he says, I can. He's not even extending it as a, as a teaching point to them. Is it a demonstration from his life? Yes. But it's not like Paul writes in some of the other epistles where he says, put off from you anger, wrath, malice, greed. That's an instruction to do something. That's an instruction. Okay. Um, this is an observation. I can do. I can do Look at this, all things. It goes back to the previous use of that same phrase. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all these things, these things, through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, and please take note, it is Christ's strength imparted to him. It's not Paul's strength. It's, it's, it's Christ's strength through him. Nevertheless, you have done well. It's a good thing to meet needs and see people in crisis situation that you shared in my distress. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not a, a, a motivational mantra. It's not a self-help verse. It's not a positive thinking vibe to get me through some discipline that I'm trying to work through and I struggle with, whether it's an exercise program or a diet. I can do all things. I can stay on this diet or exercise program or this discipline. I can do. That's not what it is. That's making me, I, that's taking the I to me and, and completely lifting this passage out of the context that it's in. I, I want to read something that I found in some of my study and research uh, looking at preparing for this episode. Um, this is from from 
Study-driven faith, you can Google that for yourself. Jerry Weir, Will, I'm, I don't know who that is. I just appreciate how he presented this, uh, this passage in its context. I'm reading the conclusion uh, of his short study on this. Therefore, it is both a misinterpretation and a misapplication to use Philippians 4.13 as a pretext for claiming that a believer is able to achieve whatever they set their mind to as though they have some sort of divine assistance for succeeding in whatever they are engaged in. I thought that was an excellent concluding statement to this short study. So I've written a short paraphrase. It's kind of a more literal translation from the Greek, and we're going to wrap it up this episode up with this um, this transliteration here that I have. In all these things, Paul speaking, in all these things that were just talked about, I am being made able or strong by the one who is continually strengthening me. So it's not a motivational mantra. That's not what it is. Uh, it's a tremendous testimony of how Christ, in our worst times and in our best times, because we need his strength in our best times too, that we don't become reliant upon the good times and our own strength and remain reliant upon him. In the best of times, in the worst of times, it's all about him. Paul is sharing that in the midst of all of these things, Christ is glorified. It's not about me achieving some goal that I've set for my life or myself in some life situation. It's about my life, even in these situations, glorifying Christ because I'm relying on him. Thank you for joining me in this episode. And just a brief announcement as we're wrapping up. I'm going to be creating and developing and uploading uh, another series. This has mostly been on this channel so far. This doesn't mean that putting Bible verses in their proper context, biblical context. Uh, I'm going to be creating another um, avenue of thought, another series of episodes. This does mean that. So taking a look at some things that we understand properly and how they help us develop Christ-likeness, grow, mature in our faith, um, become stronger in our faith and walking with the Lord. And we'll be taking a look at some of those verses in future episodes. So stay tuned. Uh, again, I remind you to like, share, subscribe, hit the notification bell, uh, share this channel with friends via email or um, whatever other device, electronic device you have to do that through uh, social media and things like that. Continue to send in your comments and questions. Uh, appreciate interacting with a number of you and the questions that come in and some of the comments. Appreciate it very much. So thank you for joining me at Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. You can contact me via email at rightlydividingtheword215 at gmail.com. Take care. God bless.